39. Oh, no, you just lost me. All right. We were there for a minute, fam. We were there for a minute. All right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out of our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king. The sky is the limit and space is the place. So without further ado, we're going to we're going to talk to our guests. But before then, we have heard there's a rumor going around the podcast that if we see Nick Garber, uh, we might like get extra winner or something. Isn't that how the groundhog thing works? I don't know. But we'll figure it out. We haven't seen him in ages. If we don't see him, do we get an extra comic book? Maybe. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was extra comic books. I don't know. But anyway, we're here to talk to our special guest, author Amy, A.K. Duboff. So please tell me you use A.K. because you like to fire the gun. Uh, It's actually just my initials, but it works out that it's a super cool initials to have for that other reason. (laughs) Well, we're going to go with it, listeners. You heard it here first. She is a fan of the 47. All right. So this is how uh, rumors start. Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, that just went down fast, but that's okay. <laughs> but so Amy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a sci-fi author, so this is a perfect podcast for me to be on. I write primarily space opera and space fantasy stuff. I am probably most known for my Catacool universe, and I have recently ventured into the screenwriting realm and have a new techno thriller movie that will be coming out hopefully sometime this year. Awesome. Outstanding. So this is the part of the introduction, dear listener, where I get to we get to tell you how we met them. And normally it would be Doc telling us what a lush she is as she drinks her wine and what bar. I'm she not a lush. Again. I don't have a problem. I don't go to meetings. Okay, okay. But actually, this is the time where I actually met Amy at a bar in Vegas in 2018. It's the Ooh, best spot to hang bar. out. Yeah, they that's uh, that hotel was somewhere but the epicenter of like hopelessness and despair. Like you just felt a little dirtier for having been there. I think they've moved the twenty books con. But yes, uh-huh. it's now at Valleys, which is sort of uh, not the glamorous place to be on the strip, but it is affordable, and I appreciate that they select a venue that lets. More and it isn't Samstown, or can we say the name without getting sued? I don't know. It's not that hotel. You know who you are. It was so smoky and disgusting. It was, yeah. Are you sure it's it was just your, your grandmother's like backyard, JR? Also possible. My grandma wasn't a smoker. Oh, oh see, mine was. You never know. <laughs> but the decor could have been my grandmother. So, I mean, it had that like 1950s chic going on. So, there's that. And I people, don't think you understand the meaning of that word. <laughs> we're going with it, all right? Just, just smile and nod, Doc. Smile and nod. All right. So did you... No, no. Put the drink down. How did you meet Amy? I actually met Amy back when we were doing sci-fi shenanigans. You said, here is this really cool person. And honestly, I'm surprised we hadn't met because I've been to Jordan Con, where you attend regularly. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think we may just have uh, been ships passing in the con that year. Yep. that I went, but we've made a great friendship since, and I love the Catacool universe. It's a lot of fun. Um, I've also discovered I'm a sucker for telepaths, so that's... Because they're awesome. They are awesome! So, speaking of uh, Robert Jordan and Jordan Con, what did you think of the Amazon made-for-television Wheel of Time series? Uh, I was <laughs> not a super fan of it. Uh, I I feel like adaptations, um, I prefer when they follow to a certain uh, amount of the the core of the world building, and there were just a few too many departures for me. Um, right? it, it got a little distracting. Have and, you never uh, read it the- just it didn't the, the production design to me didn't look lived in in the way that Game of Thrones or The Witcher do. Like they would be walking around for a month and sleeping on the ground and still have pristine white fur on their jackets. And yeah, there's a certain sort of, level thing. of uh, natural grunge that occurs just through daily living. Right. So it just it, it just didn't quite hit it for me, unfortunately. I mean, I, I'll probably still watch season two when it eventually comes out but it uh it's it's more of a watching out of morbid curiosity rather than being like super into it in the way that i am into some other shows so i watched it to find out what all the hype was about and to see if it was something to do a review of although Mm -hmm. generally as a rule if we don't have nice things to say we tend not to there's enough negativity in the world um but 
I, I remember watching the first two episodes and I had to reach out to a friend of mine, Sunokin, who has read all the books and he's like an Uber fan. And I'm like, did Robert Jordan just hate women or hate men? Cause it sounds like so anti-bad when I'm reading it. I've met him in person and he didn't strike me. He goes, no, they're messing up the canon. And he explained all of it to me. I'm like, oh, okay. That actually isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those ones that it wasn't horrible, but it, it definitely in the modern age felt like it had a, a message rather than a plot to tell. Yeah. But I'll still that- probably keep watching. Just my, morbid curiosity. My brother was a very big fan, and he goes, let me tell. He goes, well, um, and he goes, if you're really watching it as a fantasy show, it's pretty good. If you're watching it thinking it's Wheel of Time, well, I don't have enough tequila right now for that. And he'd just come back from a tequila run at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> so... I uh I haven't read Wheel of Time or any of Robert Jordan stuff. I know uh, Josh Hayes, a mutual friend of the show, had mm-hmm. tried to do a podcast on it as they you know review it as they read it, and mm-hmm. they couldn't finish the first book. So I don't know if the pros don't hold up or they just you know there are other reasons, but it's one of those things that's been on my list to give a shot forever. But you know when the audio book is like two weeks long, I mean, how much time yeah, do you have? Yeah, I, I will admit that I have not read the the whole series. I, I read up through uh, like midway through book five, I think, um, and I, that part of it was just like a life thing that happened. I was also getting more into sci-fi at the time that I was into it, and it, it just I, I kind of bailed out. But it is um, a very um, it, it started getting well, a yes. lot of point of view characters and was kind of diverging from that original corset that I had become attached to. So I think that was part of what kicked me out a little bit. And I, I know that I, I've, I've heard what the, the full kind of arc is at this point, because I've been a Jordan kind of times that mm-hmm. I, I, I've been spoiled on, on what happens. Um, and my my husband has read the entire series twice. So I, um, I'm, I'm familiar with, with it. But uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, it has, it has a lot of cool stuff in it. I, it, it probably, it for if it was being published now it would have been edited down a bit to a bit more of a core thing i have heard i don't know or maybe it would have gone into splits yeah yeah i have heard Hmm? i have heard robert jordan and brandon sanderson both described as charles dickon-esque in their writing style almost like they're getting paid by the word Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously we know they weren't but that's the style they sort of but their editors were and this is probably why many of them didn't get cut. <laughs> and his Although wife I don't know was if, his editor, so yes, I don't actually, financial well, incentive there. there. And I, I don't know, know if uh, if Tradpub editors get paid by the word or if they're on salary. So that's no outside I think of my theories by what's going on with them. But yeah. so, I do anyway, think one of the neat things is with storytelling. I've seen some indie authors where they'll do almost branching series to focus and drill down on that those individual point of view characters. Yeah, I think I've this would have that. benefited from that. Have like a core series with some spinoff stuff, um, just for those yeah. readers that aren't looking for the thousand word tome. Well, I've seen them. I was a bookseller. They are um, intimidating in size. Not that yeah. that yes. is uh, a negative to me because I read a lot of David Weber, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm happy that it it finally did make it to screen to. Uh, expand the audience of it that's it's a journey that they've been trying to go on for a very long time now so that it's cool to see it i will say before you ask the religion question zach which are very important uh for all there are bad movie adaptations out there that uber fans always complain about they always forget how many new people are brought to a series by that for instance Mm -hmm. everybody hates the starship trooper movie if you take it for what it is it can't be sci-fi movie it wasn't bad See, I, I, I actually like it. So I, I did too. I loved the movies, but it's not the same as the book. No, but I found Robert Heinlein because I watched the movie and people discount the role that plays in reading. How many times you see a movie and people say, oh, the book was better. Oh, let me read it. And so I think one of the best things in the world is if you can separate, like, a, like my brother said, if you, if you're going to watch the new wheel of time show mm-hmm. and you are watching a fantasy show, you're engaging in a fantasy show, not a, not thinking of it specifically as Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. then he he enjoyed it so much more. Oh yeah, for sure. So if you are willing to let it be its own thing, a lot of times, then it really can be much more enjoyable. So yeah, I, well, I, I completely. Say- I do I do try to mentally separate. My issues still remain of 
they were super clean after traveling on the road for a month. So yeah. and there are still some now, that's not, that's and, not and all that. I just yeah. finished reading the book series. Although I did have one friend who decided she she would table and put on the shelf any new book that once its media rights got bought because she found she enjoyed it a lot better if she had it, it wasn't fresh in her mind. Yeah. So that's the other thing that the military stuff will get me too. If like you see them doing mm -hmm. things that are just unpractical, but having lived in the field, I'm like, nope, I'm out. If like you don't, uh, yeah, or you don't retrieve gear from your dead friends, they weren't going to need it anymore. I mean, every time right you see this, mm -hmm. right, you, you just, you see them running by. I'm like, no, 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 Bob's got all that bullets. They, they still work. Take them. So that's one of the reasons that unlike most fans of Stargate, I love Stargate Universe because they actually covered the grittiness. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Grab off those dead bodies. We might not get another resupply. Yep. So. so the religion get us back on track, Doc. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> Dune, The Last Starfighter, or War Games? Easily Dune. Now, which Dune? The new one or the old one? Oh, see... I I love me. I love the visuals and the the world design of the new one, but I love the heart of the '84 version. If I'm I being honest, I, I I just I get more feels from that one. Good, uh, all of them I, were themed from the '80s. So if you'd pick the new one, it wouldn't be a fair comparison to the other two. When it she comes could have gone with a mini series. Wait, there was a mini series? Yes, there was a sci-fi. You are such yeah. a baby. Yeah, I actually I I do like the sci-fi miniseries in the sense that they somehow did manage to more or less keep with the plot of it and and cover it i don't think that the like that the casting and the design was there's was also so low budget compared to everything else but i, I feel like in terms of getting Amazing. the story done they did a pretty decent job well of one of the things i liked about the miniseries is it's one of the few that actually go past just the first book yeah yeah for sure i i appreciate yeah. that they and and they did so, a decent treatment of some challenging material to get through in the later books. Yeah. Uh, the entire story arc with his sisters. Mm -hmm. Like looking back on it, I'm like, that was yeah, that was hard. Yeah. And um, so now obviously we've talked about fantasy some. So these are our fantasy religion questions. Legend, never ending story, or lady hawk. Yeah, never-ending story is probably the most formative one, so I'm gonna have to go with that. It, it is an amazing one. It really is. Jr. really was in an '80s mood with this episode. <laughs> I try to theme them so at least people have a fair comparison. Like, if you're taking a 1980s sci-fi movie, most of them don't hold up compared to modern special effects. It's not mm -hmm. always fair to put them in the same category, so I try to try to keep them themed that way. Yep. Well, it's also nice to keep them themed because there's apples and oranges. And while they are great, amazing fruits, comparing an apple to an orange, there's a reason there's a sentence. So, yeah. um, but which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? I think it really started with fantasy. I, I'm guessing Narnia was probably the first thing that was read to me that was in kind of the, the genre realm. And I, I read a bunch of just random uh, other fantasy books as a as a kid. Um, and then the, the Wrinkle in Time books were probably the ones that got me into it even more. And I found sci-fi in probably around fourth grade and got pretty hardcore into it by, by that point. All right. So what was your first memory of engaging in fantasy then? Was it Narnia with your family or was there something before that that you remember in uh, any other venue? Probably Narnia from a from a literary perspective is, is really the first one that, that comes to mind. I, I think my, uh, my mom and dad read it to me uh, when so, I was pretty young. Uh, but then, I mean, Disney movies to an extent are in the the fantasy realm in a lot there. of ways. There's there's magic and stuff. So so that would be probably the other early exposure. I don't know, you know, because you don't ask a lady her age, so I don't know if, if gaming content was as He's much of a thing. Absolutely, she doesn't look a day over. Yeah, um, go with that. I, I, I just, uh, so did you engage in any of games of any kind that were in the speculative fiction wheelhouse at all? Mm. Uh, well, if we want to count Candyland, which I mean, I think does qualify technically. <laughs> sure, it's fantasy, done deal. Yeah, I mean, so in in that case, I've probably been playing fantasy games since I was 
what three maybe i don't know done you you're a, you're an expert a child prodigy as they say <laughs> <laughs> docs make faces at me all right so what is it about speculative fiction as a genre that you love I think just that ability to go into a whole other world and explore whatever you want to. You can put characters in situations that are just completely outside of what you could in, in the real world setting. And just the, the technology or, or magic system or whatever else in there is just super cool to imagine that and, and immerse yourself in. I, I so wish that we had those kind of advanced abilities that we could use in our everyday life. <laughs> It would be so fun. It, it would. It would. Uh, although we would also use and abuse them, which is why we asked that question at the end. Yeah. And, uh, find ways that we would abuse that tech because you know they would. I mean, how many people are cutting off their toes with that lightsaber, right? Yeah, I'm not cutting off my toe with the lightsaber. I know what I'm doing. Sure you do. I do. Uh, putting up with you. Fair. You probably cut off my toes. Uh, but at least it cauterizes the wound, so I don't believe in that. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, as long as you're not bleeding on the Persian rugs, you're good. Ooh. You might do it on the Persian rugs? Depending on how close you're getting. I did not bleed on the Persian rugs. I survived to adulthood. Uh, (laughs) The fact that she would even think about stabbing me on the Persian rugs, she must really love me. No, I didn't say that. I just said you can't bleed on them. Uh, That was a joke, Doc. Just go with it. All right. So how did your love of speculative fiction as a genre transition into you writing content for it? Uh, well, I started writing in probably around fourth grade as well. Um, I got a writing prompt and uh, from my teacher, it was like, you know, dark and stormy night, go with it. Uh, and I, so I, I had this really bad portal fantasy thing that I started working on and got a few chapters in and abandoned the project. And, uh, then uh started doing sliders fan fiction sort of you let's know, be honest is, it was my first it was my first fandom obsession and i recently just rewatched the entire series and it is so campy it's amazing uh i rewatched my uh first obsession fandom thing yeah so. uh so well, i'm gonna uh, say yours is probably actually much more mature than mine was <laughs> which was sailor moon Oh yes, that was. She still likes it. For a lot of people, sorry. I do still like it, and I will knife you if you say anything bad about my Usagi. Yeah. So. uh, Not her. She's allowed to say stuff. You're not. Okay, I feel the love. All right, Doc, keep going. Save us from, from yourself this time. Yeah. So I I started uh, work just working on some of that stuff. I was very very heartbroken with how the series ended and. Um, stories began emerging from that, which quickly took on a life of their own, and the characters became unrecognizable, and that's how I have my universe that I have today. Wait, if you like Sliders, does that mean you liked Quantum Leap? I haven't really watched much Quantum Leap. I've seen a couple episodes of it, um, so I, I I don't dislike the show. I, it just isn't one that I ever really got into and watched regularly. But Quantum Leap doesn't really have a continuous story between episodes, really. Yeah, which I've always been drawn to stories that have some level of continuity between them and just that the continuous big arc. And then from him trying to get home, that was kind of it. Yeah, Yeah. there's no real group dynamics. Yeah. Well, it's him and Iggy, so. Yes, no real group dynamics. Iggy and had a big enough personality he could count as a group. We're going with it. Although I do have questions about the show, like when he morphed into the bodies of the other gender, how that exactly worked. It Uh, worked like Munchkin. He lost a day. He lost a round. And if you've played Munchkin, you'll understand what I mean. I don't understand what you mean, but we're going to move on. All right, Doc, ask your question. So um, real life often influences our work, but were there any specific moments that formed you as a storyteller? Oh, uh, this is going to be really super cheesy, but I, I have to say that having okay. various romantic relationships over the years and, and becoming close with, with my with my partners. And then especially once I met my husband, um, just really learning what what that kind of intimate relationship can be and, and having that that best friend thing. I, I, I think that that has ultimately made my 
the romantic relationships that I have in my books much better and, and deeper. Um, it was kind of, you know, guesstimating that that when I was a, a young teenager and then as I've matured and, and experienced that, that real love thing, it's, um, well, it's been a big impact. I will say having read your books, one of the things I like is you show mature relationships as in like, okay, we've split, but we still work together. So how do we find that? And, and it's not, okay, yeah, no, this was totally, it's like, ah, no, bad habit, bad habit. She's not my girlfriend anymore. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I, and I like that because it is a struggle and it is real. And so many people kind of learn through reading mm -hmm. some things that we don't always interact, how we interact. It's a great way to set good examples. Yeah. And I'm still really good friends with my first boyfriend. It was long distance for most of the time that we were together. So I think we were always more friends than a couple in a lot of ways. Uh, but so I like, yeah, you can, you can be friends with your ex. It, it is a possible thing. It can happen as long as they're not annoying. No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, it so, depends on how they put their, whether they put pineapples on their pizza, because some things are unforgivable. And this is why we're not married, JR. Yeah. Uh, no, no comment. I put pineapple on my pizza. Nobody's perfect, Doc. Nobody's perfect. I am not. So, um, but today we know, we've talked about your stories and things we've you've written, but we're here to talk about your movie. But can you give us like the probably like what the big names of your book series are, really quick, so that they know not just a screenplay author now. Yeah. You're not going to abandon us with the Catechal universe. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely still working in that. And I, I love the narrative form that I don't think that's ever going to change. Just adding something, not not taking away. Um, so so like I said, my my main works are in the Catechal universe. So there's the original series, which is just Catechal. Um, Fractured Empire is the name of the box set, if you're getting the full box set, but it's the Catechal series. Uh, the sequel series to that is Terran Empire Saga, and I have several co-authored spin-off series, Shadowed Space and Verity Chronicles, and then In Darkness Dwells as a standalone. And I also have the Mindspace Quartet within the Catechal Universe that's a solo work. And so, then I also have the Dark Stars Trilogy, which is a standalone space fantasy on more of a YA bent. So we're here today, though, to talk uh, about your film stuff. So before we talk about the specific film product, let's talk about you as a film nerd. So, <clears throat> Doc, uh, what what, uh, what got you into films as a, as a medium for, for storytelling? Like, Did you really expect me to read that entire paragraph of a question to get to the geek stuff? I mean, Doc, come on. You're supposed to be a scientist. How do you do that without reading? Skimming. Oh, so I should put cliff notes next time. Got it. Yeah, you have the summary sentence at the beginning, and that tells you what the rest of the paragraph's going to be about. See, we now know JR doesn't use outlines when he writes. Actually, I do, but my outline could be a short story or a novelette, but we won't go there. So, All right. So I think the question was, how did I get into screenwriting? Films is like as a viewer. Like, what is it? Because some people are, yeah, they're mad on movies. Some people are like diehard film aficionados, and some people even become professors of film. Well, I, I love the visual medium. I mean, I've been watching movies for as long as I can remember. And uh, I, I just, I think that it's a, a super interesting and engaging art form. And I wanted to learn more about screenwriting. So when I went to college, I, um, I, I took a couple of screenwriting classes and that was my first exposure to the writing side of it. But um, just as, as a film nerd, um, I, I, I've, just, I've had a lifelong appreciation of it. I went to an arts magnet school and we had to take a class in each of the different art forms and um, moving image arts was one of them, just basically film. So um, I, I also had a little bit of exposure at that point from a young age and, and thought it was great. All I remember about magnets is like opposites attract and the like no. repel. Or maybe not not that kind of magnet, JR. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, but no. Why, why are you doing that, Doc? Are you okay? Science to the people who, I don't know, can do math. I do math. One plus one is two. Sometimes one plus one equals more. There but we what go. does two plus two equal? 
depends on what generation you're asking that question. Because nowadays the answers get a little wonky. Are we talking pre or post Common Core? Yeah, no. Okay. I don't do that Common Core stuff. Um, also depends on which dystopian future you're uh, a part of. I was the parent during the pandemic who emailed the teacher and said, I have no idea. I taught him the right way of doing it. That's the way people do it. I had a, a college class I took with a guy that was going back to school uh, under the Marine Enlisted Commissioning Program. And she would, the professor had one of those snooty voices. We talk about when you go up and go into the real world, the teachers always use, you'll yep, use this yep. math. And he raised his, to, you know, she gave all the examples of doing your bills and budgets. He goes, ma'am, I've been living on my own for 15 years and never once have I bothered to do it this way. This is asinine. And then he got up and left and I'm like, can I follow him? Will I lose my scholarship? <laughs> or the you'll never walk around with a calculator in your pocket well actually oh, yes <laughs> oh yeah no however marvel now gave math teachers ammo if you see oh. no way home yeah spider-man yeah. solves a problem that dr strange gives him just by using simple geometry i hate geometry We've established that I don't do any of the maths, so we will get back on track and talk about films. <laughs> I can watch films. Doc, we're on 12. So why is it that you love films specifically? Or in writing them, actually? Because I think those are two different things. So uh, to answer the first question of, of why I enjoy them, I think it's just that it, it really brings together all of the different art forms in one thing. It, where you have the the writing aspect of it, you have just the, the beautiful visuals and lots of different aspects to those visuals, but just that you can tell so much with a single image is is great. And then you string those images together as moving pictures and it just opens up all sorts of things. And from a writing perspective, I like that you just get to really focus on the the story and the the dialogue and the, and the character aspects of it and not need to worry about doing all of the setting descriptions, um, which I very much enjoy in writing, but it's kind of fun to just be able to focus on the, that bigger arc aspect of it and, um, and have just the, the witty dialogue or uh, just figure out how to do that. But it is, it is very different. It, it, was, uh, it, it took a bit to switch over into that other mindset and start thinking about, well, how can we show this versus being able to just delve into a character's head and, and do some internal monologue to explain something. All right, so this is the part where we're gonna start uh, putting our own commercials in. So we will take a moment where we shamelessly shill for the man and we are gonna pause for that commercial interlude. 20 years have passed since the Ixa almost wiped humanity from the face of the galaxy. Now they have returned with a prophecy of doom, and the prophecy is already coming true. Start the series readers are calling an action-packed military thrill ride. Download Super Carrier today, book one in the Ixen Prophecies trilogy, available from Amazon and Audible. All right, we appreciate you sticking with us through that commercial break, which I inserted in post. And we even waited a two whole seconds before we jumped back in, people. This is the movie business that uh, we're here to talk to Amy about. And we're going to pretend like we know what the hell we're doing. And we're going we're gonna to rock on with those questions. So we talked about what you like about watching movies. We talked about what you liked about writing movies. So now you, you can answer it from either perspective. But when you watch content you didn't create, uh, what is it that draws you into a, into a movie? Is it the concept? the story is trying to tell? Is it the actors? Is it the overall adventure of it? What is it about a movie that makes it sing for you? It definitely has to have an interesting concept for me to even want to watch it in the first place. But I think it's really the characters that will ultimately pull me into something and, and maybe want to keep watching. But I do love a good mystery. So if there's anything in there that just putting out those little clues and then trying to figure out the answer to it that that keeps me engaged. So I end up watching a lot of uh, the, the crime drama stuff a lot. Um, outside of sci-fi, that's probably the thing that I watch the most. And I really those, like those just have so much of that, like, hey, we're presenting this, you know, this, this person died, but what happened? And then you go over the eight episodes of 
of discovering all of the the twisty backstory things that led up to that. So I I enjoy those sorts of things. All right, I'm the guy that cheats when I watch a mystery, and I'll like either Google it as I'm watching to know how it ends, or I will read the last chapter in the book because I'm too damn impatient. So I'm not a good candidate for this for that content. Wow, I just I don't even know what to say. <laughs> you say uh, nothing. Uh, you just kind of ignore him. Okay. This is why you haven't been answering my text. Damn it! All right. So Wait, you texted me. Uh, how are you going with that line? Okay, okay. New phone, who this? Um, so, <laughs> so Unfortunately, most work? of my communication is via Facebook. New Facebook, who's this? No, it doesn't work <laughs> quite right. So, so how did your love of film as a viewer, which you know, you've, you've talked about a little bit, uh, transition into you saying, you know what? I want to make a movie. Uh, well, I wrote my first screenplay via the college courses that I had mentioned, and then it just went on my digital shelf and I didn't think about it for a decade. Uh, but when I moved out to the California countryside on the, the ranch where I now live, the person who I live with here is a filmmaker and has a trailer full of equipment to make professional movies and we got to chatting and we're like hey we should totally make a movie and it, it came about uh via a, a conversation about crypto mining um my my friend james and, and my husband nick were uh, putting together a mining rig and started talking about like hey well what if all of this crypto mining was actually some sort of like big crowdsource thing to process a bunch of data like doing the um, like folding at home or the um, setting at home program and like oh yeah that's a cool idea and i'm like hey we can totally make that into a movie so we started writing and uh and james and i delved into it and uh, i had just enough experience with screenwriting that i felt like i could i could do it um so i, I probably did maybe like 70 to 80 percent of the script and then james did a lot of clean up with the formatting and editing and, and wrote some of the scenes in it. Um, so it was, it was a good collaborative project. And we'd worked together on the uh, adaptation of my catechal series. He, he was one of the screenwriters on that project. So um, I, I'd reviewed it a lot. So um, it sounds like you have the common problem of so many ideas in so little time. Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was certainly part of it. But this was a like, hey, it, really, we should just sit down and write a movie that we can film ourselves on, on the ranch and the surrounding areas and and then wrote the script around what resources we had access to. It's like we used the neighbor's house as the, the main house um, and the library up in Oakhurst, which is one of the nearby cities. And, uh, and then just a lot of the locations here on, on the ranch and just wrote the script around all of that stuff. And so it was, it was kind of, it, it was an interesting, box to place ourselves in. So it's sort of a bottle film, but not quite because we do technically venture out beyond just one single location. Uh, but it was it was it was confined and uh, just coming up with a story that would work with those locations was uh, a, a cool, cool challenge. So it sounds, sounds like you really stretched yourself super hard with this one. Like I would be I, I wouldn't even know where to start. So I'm well, the good news about so few locations means not only would it work on film, it would work on stage because there's less sets, I would think. Oh, crypto the stage musical. <laughs> so we, we had this ongoing joke uh, during during the filming of like all of these different cuts that we could make of it. So like we showed up to the library and we were filming in mid-December. So they had all of these Christmas decorations up. So we're like, oh, it could be crypto the Christmas movie. And then it's, we started thinking all of these other crypto things that we could do a recut of the movie to, to make it. So now we can have uh, crypto the musical stage adaptation. <laughs> you know you fall down the rabbit hole when you go the route of sitcoms and you have the Disneyland episode. That's really oh. just filler. Yep. So, well, before we talk about this movie, which we've hinted at, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, how is thing? How are things going with the uh, the Catacomb movie that we had you talk about about a year ago? I think. Yeah. So uh, we have still been in chats with various networks, uh, very preliminary conversations. <laughs> and there's there's interest in it. Um, we we have not yet found a home for it, but I'm still optimistic that we, we will. <clears throat> 
Okay. So back to the movie that you were just hinting at. Speaking of, um, let's talk about it. So what is it called? I, I know that was a weird segue. It didn't quite work. But when all else fails, we blame Doc. No, I thought we were blaming Nick today because as punishment. Oh, he's for not here. That's right. It's perfect. This is why you're the, the queen bossy pants of the show. Right, so so, so the, what's this movie called? The movie is called Crypto, uh, as in cryptocurrency, not, not cryptozoology. Um, that would be cool, too. Yeah, there, there are already those cryptos out there. So um, as far as I know, this is one of the first crypto mining themed movies out there. Um, there, there might be others that I'm just unaware of, but um, they, they certainly haven't been widely spread yet. So that's cool that we get to be on the leading edge of that. All right, so I'm going to show some of the concept art. Yeah. For the show. So that, that is actually a shot of the lead actress, Michaela Iverson, on there. And I did the poster art there. So there is, she gave us the version that has all of the um, the movie poster type stuff on there, but it, it was a little bit distracting from the image. And since you probably couldn't read it on your screen anyway, we went with this. But um, how did you go about picking the actress that you picked? She was a known actress to James Fox, the director of, of the film. She's attached to another project that he's also working on and they chat regularly and he told her the idea of it. And she said, yes, I'm in without knowing anything else about it. So, so I, she, she's been the, the presumptive actress pretty much since the, the beginning of that, but she was absolutely amazing to work with and did such a good job carrying this movie. She's the only, the only character that is on screen throughout the entire movie. So, so she had such a big project to do with, with this, but she did an amazing job. So if you go to the show notes, dear listener, uh, we will have links to the, which will be live by the time you watch this. We have links to the um, the trailer for this. Uh, if I was better with technology, I would have figured out how to download it so I could upload it for you to watch, but I'm just not that smart. Uh, so You're instead, I'm going to figure out how to turn it on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they make fun of me when I call tech support. It's just, you know, it's, it's sad. But anyway, when you watch the trailer and you see the actress's face, you'll notice she has one of those faces where you're like, I have to have seen her in something because she just has that face that looks like you know her, even if you've never seen her before, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, she she's really a, a wonderful person, and I'm, I'm so happy that we had her to work with on this. Well, it sounds like yeah. you're really hands-on in all the process of it all. Production. Yeah, so I, I was one of the screenwriters on it. I was the script supervisor on set. I ended up also handling a lot of the prop stuff and, uh, and on on set continuity things, which I was not expecting to do. There was a last minute staffing change that happened and I, I jumped into that. So um, if there are errors, I, I'm going to feel really horrible, but I'm very hard on myself with those things. Uh, but, uh, and then uh, also executive producer on it. So it, yeah, it's, it's there, there were a lot of things, but like my my husband built it. He's voicing one of the the characters in it and is uh, working on the editing. And it's like it, it's this this very it has an indie feel to it, but a, a very professional quality. So it's been a super fun project in in that respect. Because I I really love the the team project uh, with uh, the the indie writing that I've done. And so this was just that same kind of feel, but switching over to the film side and I, I love the challenge of having the multiple hats to wear and and just figure out how to get it done with a, with a small team and just everyone really rising to the occasion. It's a cool feeling. So in addition to all of this craziness, we're gonna ask you to give us our the 30 second elevator speech. 30 seconds to describe your movie, go! All right, so Kara is a burned out game developer who's moved out to her grandfather's old country ranch cabin and is reinventing herself as a crypto miner. And she's working on this new algorithm and discovers that there's a secret code embedded in the, um, the, the blockchain data and goes down the rabbit hole and quickly finds herself in a cat and mouse game for her life as the people um, behind it want to keep their secrets <laughs> and she got in the way uh -oh. 
And if you look at the bottom of the screen, if you're watching us on the YouTubes, we list the uh, CryptoTechMovie.com as our website. So you could check it out. Again, that will be in the show notes as well. Sorry to interrupt, Doc. I just figured I'd let people know. So we've covered some of what makes your movie special, that you're really the first crypto mining movie, let alone a crypto thriller movie. So, but what other, other than thriller, where do you think this fits in the subgenre space? Like, would you call it uh, cyberpunk? Sounds a little cyberpunk. I don't know that I'd say quite cyberpunk, but it definitely has some sci-fi elements to it. I don't want to give too much away because there are some, some twists in there, but. uh, Near future sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. yeah, so I, I think thriller and near future sci-fi are probably the the best. Um, there's also some, um, say, like psychological um, and mental health themes in it. So it, it could get into the psychological thriller subgenre as well. Okay. Okay. She's she's not quite sure if what she's experiencing is just in her head or if if there's really something going on. Well, when you spend too much time alone with just the machines, that can happen too. Oh, she's also she's also recovering from um, some bad experiences with her former job and um, kind of had a, a breakdown that she's trying to get over. We won't make the joke and ask if she worked for Blizzard. We won't do that. Uh, I didn't do it, Doc. I just didn't do it. Ah, oh, JR times sometimes, man. <laughs> Why do we let you out of your cage? Um. <laughs> I'm going to get us in trouble more than you. Uh, so it's definitely a really neat way of doing this. Have you, um, Jerry, you, you, you have You're questions. supposed to ask the tropolicious question next and not get discombobulated because I throw wrenches in your plans. I will stab you. You're supposed you to be the voice of reason. With this, see, wait, what? You We're didn't screwed. read the fine print? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if either of you are super reasonable, if I'm being honest here. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And That's she's come here fun. multiple times. So, you know, go figure. I, mean, I do have a bit of a foundation for that statement. It's not just being thrown out there with no... So, but this is why we're fun. The dysfunction, you can't have this. Oh, no, that's why fun. I keep coming back. It's it's just, it's always a good time. <laughs> she's not even like on second, she's on thirds of us. No, fourth, oh. actually. Fourth, fourth. yeah. So, the panel, you're right. Because, and we did two of them, we re aired them. So, technically, that's like six because it counts no, twice. No, 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 we're uh, talking about her willingly inflicting herself on us. The fact that we fair, choose fair. to show it over and over again is just proof that she's an entertaining, great guest. This so, could be our new tagline we put the fun and dysfunction. I like there it. That's actually You've pretty good. Chair, <laughs> the army might sue you for the copyright. I think they have that one. <laughs> Oh, let's so, back to her movie. But so what tropes did you do you think you really had a lot of fun with it? This is the tropolicious time. So mm. and do you think more some of these tropes are more uh movie-based tropes or book tropes? Like is there a difference? Um we we sort of approach the tropes as, as twisting some of them on their head a bit. Um, one of the tropes that's been popular recently is the uh, like granddaughter grandfather relationship. Um, so, mm-hmm. so we definitely incorporated that in there. Um, and but with one that we intentionally really turned on our head is having a female lead in that game developer slash crypto mining thing, which tends to be a more male dominated. In the line of yeah. work, so so we we definitely wanted to have a female lead in there, um, and and turn that one around a bit, um, and uh, and then I guess from the the mental health side, we had there there's that like you know going going to a, a a therapist and and having that be the window into some of the backstory um, that that we that's actually a neat trick. There. I like that. Like what? That. No, the, 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 if you lay up too much backstory, it's hard to fit that in without feeling like an info dump, even in movies. Doing yes. it through a therapist's office is a unique way that feels like you're building the story because you're showing trauma, you're showing character development. 
but you're also getting in that backstory. I like it. That's creative. Was that your idea or James Fox's? Um, I I honestly can't remember who brought in that. I, he was he brought in more of the um, let let's have her have some sort of um, mental health thing that she's recovering from. I, I I think that he brought that, but I can't recall um, the like having the alert pop up on her phone of like oh therapy sessions about to start. Um, and uh, who exactly I, did that? It's probably really nice. awesome though that it shows the guys are kind of ying and yanging very well with each yeah. other so and yeah, he's he's so good with the the little subtle character stuff it, it's just a pleasure to work with um and I, I i love the little things that he he comes up with okay okay so you said that uh that wasn't quite a film in a bottle kind of um approach with one set how many actors were involved in this was it just her and the rest was sort of voice in the background or were there multiple characters Yes, yeah, so it, it's just her, but there are other characters that appear as uh, just like kind of background shadowy characters or mm -hmm. as there's a, a good amount of like phone call voiceover um, character work as well. Did you get voice actor authors to do it? Voice voice actor. We, we, have a combina we have a combination of people who are working on it. Um, some some people we we do have some professionals that we hired on for certain roles and then we have just other people that volunteered that i want to participate and we know that they have good voices and hey yeah you have good enough audio setup so let's go for it so that's awesome directed from afar and and did that and yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun so you'll probably recognize some of the voices in there because they, they we have some authors in the community that have lended their voice did That's awesome. Did you voice over anything, Amy? No, I did not. Amy's like, I was doing enough. Yeah, I was doing enough. Sure, no, sure. honestly, I there there's one role that I that I would do, but I already have too many different credits on this doing different things, and it starts to look bad if you have too many too many sure. things that you're so, doing. So so. The one thing I want you to do, Amy, in your next movie, then, is you've got to do like the female equivalent of the movie movie trailer voice guy in a world. Like you no. could do it. You could totally pull it off. I don't know. Be like the yin to his yang or something. Uh, I'll have to think about that. So you could do it, Amy. I believe in you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Can you give us a hint about which authors we might hear the voices of? Uh. I think that's probably fair to share at this point. So we have Josh Hayes and James Aaron. Awesome. Oh, you even talked about Josh Hayes earlier. You did. You did. So that's so he's exciting. A, he's a fun. Does that mean he gets his IMBD whatever page? Yeah. There you go. Talk about Amy not just is a multiple threat. She's going to help you become a multiple threat. Except for you, JR. You're just not a threat. Yeah. I'm friendly. I'm like Officer Friendly. Wait, I don't think we're just doing it. We're just going to move on. Role two. <laughs> a friend. So, a friend. Right, right. So when you uh, when you made this movie, um, you obviously don't want to give any spoilers. Is there room for a sequel? Yeah, for sure. We we um, we ended it in a way that there certainly could be either future films or even spin off into a TV series if there is interest in that. The sequel would require much more budget than we had into this one. So it would it'd be a different type of project, but the story can certainly support going um, for quite quite a ways beyond this. So if you expanded the story, would it would it necessarily mean more settings or would you still be able to keep it localized? we would probably want to have a lot more settings in it to do it justice. Well, what we did for this one is super cool and, and I really love how it's come together, but I don't think for a, a longer running franchise, it would be as engaging to, to just keep it limited like that. So any plans on turning this into a, a book series? I have thought about doing a novelization of it uh, that's certainly a possibility. I have yet to talk with James about what that might look like, but um, I suspect that he would be amenable to that kind of adaptation. 
What about any sort of like comic type setting? I could see this working in a black and white. I, I've watched the trailer yeah, in all yeah. fairness. I could see some of those gritty black and white style like graphic novels would work for this. Yeah, it actually would be a really cool graphic novel. That's not a skill set that I have myself, but certainly <laughs> if someone was interested in it, I'd, I'd be game. I, pending whatever rights we um, we have with the distributor. So without spoilers, obviously, is there room to do the pre-story to this about whatever her trauma was that got her on the farm in the first place? Yeah, I think I think there, there certainly is. We we keep the backstory quite vague in, in the movie. Uh, it, it's more about her present experience than in the past. So the little hints in there. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of story that could go into that and the relationship with her parents and, and her friendship um, with with uh, Lamas, who's okay. uh, her, her gamer friend. That's his tag, not his actual name, because Lamas would be a really weird name for I mean, I've, I've heard some weird ones, so, I mean, I'll just, I was going to go with it. I I was like, I honestly thought for a brief second you were talking about Lamas, like real Lamas. I mean, those could be friends. Too, like, I suppose there could be a llama farm somewhere as well. That was not one of the filming locations that we <laughs> had immediate access to, but there's always the possibility that we could. It's big at supporting their local artists, et cetera. So is this going to get a local viewing from you guys in, in the California area? I, I would certainly love to have it at the, the local movie theater up in, in Oakhurst. That's uh, a place where we frequent uh, going to movies. So being able to have it air there at some point would be really neat. And we are hoping to do a, a theatrical release for this as well as ultimately uh, on a streaming platform, I'm sure. Um, but we're uh, going to be talking with distributors hopefully soon and we'll hopefully find a good home for it. Are you gonna get to keep the reel-to-reel, -reel, like the, the screen roll film you see in the pictures? You gotta put it on just for that so you have a copy. I know they don't use them anymore, people. I'm not that. Yeah, I, I was going to say this was all this was shot digitally, so we we do not but have. You got to put it on there just for like. I figure if vinyl's having a comeback in music, like the reel to reel could have a comeback in movies. I mean, it would be super cool. It just that that's not what we have. I'm afraid. I don't. Okay, I don't. Well, they get a blank and put the label on it, and nobody will know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I watched your forehead at least a dozen it. times today. Are you okay? Do nobody lets you out in public. <laughs> All right, oh. Doc. Do you have any more questions before we, we do start um, wrapping this up? I don't think I really do. Do you? All right. So, Doc, then the next scripted question, if you decide to actually read it instead of just going off in left field, is yours at number 21. Uh, I, now I really feel like I have to go off in the left field. Just to be contrary, you do, I think. And then so, come back and circle back. But if you could have any famous actor do like a cameo in this or actress, who would you pick? Oh, man. I mean, I know who I'd pick, which is Henry Cavill, but I'd just. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. Um, I love so like, own their the fact that they're just nerds for fun, the fun of the glory of being a nerd. Yeah. So. Just be. Because it has kind of that like hidden technology aspect to it, I'm gonna have to go with Keanu Reeves. And also, he's such a nice guy that I would love an excuse to meet him. He I have is watched him on gun ranges, like they filmed it, and the dude knows his way around a pistol. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. So I think I think he'd actually be a, a good good fit for. I, I think he would that. honestly really enjoy certain aspects of the movie because it definitely sounds like particularly with the um her wondering if she's real or not what she's really going through if it's all real or not um if you've seen have you seen matrix revolutions yet mm -hmm. which I, I i truly enjoyed yeah i, I liked it too i was i was on the i i really liked this camp it's yeah, very divided i i've been i've been interested seeing who likes it and who doesn't but i was it, on the island it has side. been it has been a very unique i would say in some ways it's as talk talked about and stirring the pot as much as the original mm -hmm. which is saying quite something because you do but so you have some of that same aspect that that does so i think he would i i would not be surprised if he watches this and is like i love this movie because we should totally that would I, make me so happy <laughs> 
I can't wait to see this movie because it's it's a little outside my normal genre, but I love your writing style and I'm really excited about this. So, I mean, we have enough people in the um, special secret squirrel community that listen. I'm just saying, panel van, Keanu Reeves, make him watch it. Amy will love you forever. And then once you free him, like, if he doesn't associate the movie with his trauma, maybe he'll want a fun movie, too. <laughs> and, of course, we intentionally... <laughs> I'm weird. What can we say? We intentionally worded that question because I did. I thought about asking if you could get anybody that starred in it that you wanted. And I started thinking, well, it's already filmed, so that would insult her actress who's in the movie, who clearly from the trailer did an Amazeballs job. So I was like, okay, what about a cameo? Then nobody gets offended. See, but, I'm you know what? One of the things... I love is when, particularly for genre, like sci-fi, borderline sci-fi stuff, and even fantasy stuff, but really for sci-fi is when they go, you get an actress who hasn't been huge yet, or an actor, because it really gives them a lot of room to play. Like, I like established actors just fine, but... I think that there's a lot where it gives them room to play and you're not, they're not bringing all this baggage of how it should be done to the screen. They're bringing their new fresh look at it. So. Yeah. And we really did customize this role for her. So I really can't imagine anyone else in it because it was, it was tailor made for her. So. And that's amazing. You don't get many of those as an actor or an actress. So. Yeah, it, it was just a lot of fun all around, and I'm really happy with the team that we have working on it, and it's it's been super cool, and I can't wait to share it with everyone. Yay, you won't have to wait much longer, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, we've got this schedule to, to air, like, shortly after your uh, your announcement, because we had to make sure we, we fit around that, because we didn't want to spill the beans early. So, I'm, I'm excited to see this. So what do you think realistically is the uh, the time to uh, the average person watching this is going to be able to see it? I, I think that we're planning to have a cut to distributors by the end of February. So it really depends on how quickly they package it beyond that. I, I'd say that summer would likely be the earliest uh, but I, I really am, am not, I'm not sure. I, it, I guess it's entirely possible that it could have it a little earlier than that. But I would guess probably summerish time frame. Um, but that, that's a guesstimate. Please don't hold me to it. Sure, sure. This is all new space for, for all of us. So a lot of variable for you. There are oh. there's a lot of variables here. But but the most important things are actually done, which are normally the ones when I'm like, oh, that looks so cool. You know, it's already been filmed. It's already been, you know, everything's done. Done. It's now like, okay, how are we delivering you the package of yeah. amazing? Yeah, I mean, we we are still working on some post production stuff, and we we have a couple pickup shots that we need to, to do but those are scheduled to happen at the end of this month so we'll be 100 done with filming by the end of the month that is uh, so but awesome. the, the bulk of it is done it's just it's a few little things that we have so we, to do do we say yeah what's a pickup shot uh that that's something that you didn't get in the principal cinematography that you just need to go back and and get oh. later you're like, wait, no, we need this. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we had we had some weather issues that we encountered on the initial shoot, and um, there were there were just some outdoor things that had to get deferred. Weather will do that to you. Yeah, it was it was torrential downpours. We we overcame a lot of adversity with with this thing, but amazingly, you can't tell that there was all of the weather stuff going on with. With the footage that we captured, we managed to just move things inside on and do as we just switched on the schedule to film things inside that were it was gonna be an outdoor day, now it's an indoor day. And the the outdoor days that we did have, it was just sunny and absolutely beautiful. And you couldn't tell that the day before it had been just stormy and dark yeah. and awful. So it yeah, it, it came out great. So now just all of the outdoor scenes have this wonderful, just glistening grass and dew drops on the leaves of trees and it looks gorgeous that's awesome so, i'm hmm? 
so I said, clearly this is winding down, but was there anything about crypto movie that you wanted to tell us before we, we wrap this puppy up? Uh, just please go on our social media and follow us and get the, check out the trailer and, and some of the behind the scenes footage and share it with your friends. And when it comes out, watch it and hope you enjoy it. So we will ask to impose upon you that when the movie is out and people can view it on all the places, will you come back to the group and share links? Yeah, absolutely. So that way, yeah, because the Facebook, we always try to circle back with our with our Facebook group to get get those links when things come out. Yeah. Uh, and and because we are book nerds first and foremost, Doc and I, we're the ones who would rather read than than watch the television. Um, so we'd like to harken back to the old reminder, dear listeners, that uh, once we had a different podcast under a different name, uh, and we'd like to remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. Speaking of reviews, how would they rate and review your movie? I know on on with books, it's rather easy. You got book, uh, Goodreads and wherever you bought the book. How do you review your movie? Well, I believe you can, anyone can create an account on IMDb and leave reviews on there. And I think there's a feature on just like the, the Google um, search result things that you have the, like the little card that comes up on there and you can indicate if you, if you liked something or not in, in there. And you could probably turn on a, a reviews feature on our page. I don't think that's active right now, but yeah, I mean, just any of any of the review sites, and certainly if it's on if it's streaming on on a platform, those would have a uh, a reading indicator on there too. And another way, which we would like to encourage, is start your own blog, review it there, give it awesome praise, send Amy the links. She will thank you forever. Yes, yes, I will. <laughs> so, um, how can listeners find you though? So you can find me personally. I My hub of everything is my website, amyduboff.com. You can find me at Amy Duboff on most social media platforms. I'm mostly active on Facebook and occasionally post on Instagram. I have a Twitter, but I never do anything there. And crypto, you can go to crypto-movie.com as we have the address up on here. And we're also crypto.thriller on Facebook and Instagram. And we would love the likes and follows on those socials to help spread the word. All right. I will grab those and add those to the uh, to the show notes, dear listener. If you want to be lazy and just click the links, just press the buttons. Doc, did we lose you? Did you fall asleep? Are you your huh? drink empty? Is, that, no. is there an emergency with your drink? No, there's no emergency with my drink. I was just not listening to you. Oh. Um, so, JR, can you tell these kind people how they can find us? So you can find us on the Twitters at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. It's almost like the SF stands for sci-fi. Uh, you can email the show at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. We both answer them sometimes. We even you know read them and schedule things. It's, it's a working email. People do your thing. Uh, we have a Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen. Facebook.com backslash groups backslash a blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash a blasters and blades podcast it's a fun place where all the cool kids hang out we have our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades uh doc is working with some friends of the show to get us a real live website like a proper show but uh speaking of our website while it's anchor fm you can donate to the show that way on a reoccurring monthly basis it operates much like a patreon uh, or you could support the show on buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast i promise i will keep my co-hosts doc seska and nick garber duly intoxicated they will drink until their liver surrenders never surrender do refill the glass <laughs> Okay. Okay. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure as always. So, 
Um, and we did cover that you are still going to be, you're not going to leave your book series alone. You're going to come no, back. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely still working on the books. Too. I, I am currently writing Terran Empire book three. And wait, there's another project. We uh, you froze, Doc. We were just talking about, right? You're going to be bringing back SIFCON this year. Yes. Right? Yes, that is that is right. So it will be the third third time no, no, no. we're doing SIFCON, which is our yeah. online convention. That is the science fiction and fantasy convention. Because I'm looking forward to Somehow it. that was not the name of a thing before we started it. And I still don't understand how, but we have it. And that is officially our thing. So, and that's June 10th through 12th. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I was so that will be online and <laughs> you can go to sffcon.com and that will give you all of the information. We have yet to put up any programming stuff for the upcoming thing, but you can check out what we did. And we have all of our content available on YouTube. So you can check out the two previous ones we've done. There are some amazing panels on there with some super top-notch people. Yes, it's a and lot of fun. Like if you'd like to get involved and volunteer, like Doc has just volunteered herself, you can reach out to Amy through any of the social <laughs> medias linked below. She would love volunteers to make this the newest and best con. Uh, so we Absolutely. can attract new and cool people and some old returning faces. For All sure. right, Doc. We couldn't ask her the, the pineapple question because she's already given the wrong answer. So it's just time to close the curtains. Okay. Well, obviously you guys have met Amy and Amy is amazing. But on behalf of Nick and JR as well, this was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week indulging our love of torturing JR, nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom, especially if there's pineapple involved. Again, <laughs> she puts the fun.